We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi everyone, this is Kelsey Jones, Executive Editor of Search Engine Journal, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Ryan Holiday. He is an author, marketer, and also a great writer. He runs ryanholiday.net. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, I've heard of you, of course, from your uh, book that became really popular, Trust Me, I'm Lying, which I think took everybody aback in a good way, and then your latest book, um, is the obstacle is the way, which I haven't read yet, but I'm excited to, and I'm glad you're on Marketing Nerds to talk about reading and marketing and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm excited. So one of the things that kind of made me want to talk to you for the podcast is that you have a recommended reading email list, and now it's over 35,000 people. And all you do is just send books that you really like. And, you know, I love that kind of stuff because since you're a thought leader in the space, it's always great to hear about good books that you're learning from so then I can learn from too. And so I know you did a blog post recently that you republished on your blog about how you specifically don't try to monetize your email list. And so I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, in your experience, what have been some benefits that go beyond trying to make money from an email list? Because I think our audience um, is always looking for ways to connect with their their audience. Sure. Yeah. So so this was maybe in 2008, 2009. I, I sort of, I think uh, everyone wants to have a platform, but they usually want it like right when they need it and they don't put the time in to make it sort of way in advance. And so I, I knew I wanted to be a writer. I knew I wanted to to publish my own books at some point. And and I saw a lot of people had newsletters, but it seemed very egotistical to me to just like ask people to sign up for news about me as a person. So I was yeah. thinking like, what would be something that I could offer of value to people that like was sort of consistent with what I was interested in, consistent with my expertise? Like what what could I offer in return that would make people give me their email address? So in the future I might be able to use it in some way. And so I came up with this idea of recommending books. I used to recommend them on my site and I said, you know what, no, I'm only gonna do them on my email list. And so I started this email list. It was so small at first, um, I would just copy and paste everyone's email into the BCC field in Gmail. <laughs> and and over the last six or seven years, you know, it that's now gone up to um that that's now up to like fifty five thousand people, oh, I think. Oh jeez. Yeah, which which sort of totally caught me by surprise. It's been great. Um, and I, I only send one email a month. Like I wanted it to just be very different than how most emails work. So mm-hmm. it, it was one email a month. I just recommend other books. I mean, it's monetized in Amazon affiliate revenue, but on a list of 55,000 people, you know, it makes like a couple hundred bucks a month. That's not why I do it. I do it because I've, I've built this relationship with thousands of people all over the world around something that's similar to what you know, I'm interested in. So when my first book came out, you know, it was like 10,000 people. And then the next book came out, it was like 25,000. And when my next book comes out, it'll be 60,000. And so the idea is just 
you know, can you make something that people actually want? Like if I, if I forgot to send it out in a month and I remember Seth Godin wrote an article about this idea and it really stuck with me. It's like, if you didn't send your email out as, as regularly scheduled, would people email you and ask what's going on? That's sort of how you get the sense that you've got something good going. And I, I think I, you know, I've, I've gotten there. It, it wasn't there at first, but over time and building this relationship, that's what you get. And that, that can be very powerful. If you, now, if I release a book, I can tell these people about it and, and I know they're all readers or they wouldn't be subscribing to this thing. Yeah. And I really like that you only send it out once a month because I feel like email marketing now um, at this, at my first job out of college, it was a, it was owned by um, a university. So it was nonprofit, but it was a continuing education company that did seminars about, you know, business writing. Well, they wanted to send out emails every day. And sure. even back then, you know, that was in 2008, I I was just thinking, oh my God, nobody wants to receive an email from you every day. I mean, we all get so overwhelmed with email. And so I think your, your list is something special because it's from you. I mean, you write it. It's just plain text. There's no like cheesy images or graphics and it's only once a month. So I think it definitely plays into that idea that it's something to look forward to and you're not getting overwhelmed because if it was something you sent even every week, I think it would be easy for people to kind of gloss over it and not wait for it to come. Yeah, I think you always want to ask like, look, what what is everyone else doing? And then how can I stand out? Like maybe they're onto something like everyone has an email list. So there's something there. But how can I do it differently so mine doesn't get lumped in with everyone else's? And that's sort of how I try to think about it. And and so, yeah, doing it monthly means, you know, I, I don't reach as many people as often. I, you know, I, I, I don't have the immediate power that other lists do. But I think it allows me to, to, you know, to get people who don't normally subscribe to a lot of lists or people who are very protective of their email address like I am. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I'm always trying to think about, like, what would I subscribe to as well? And that that sort of guides some of the decisions. I think another thing people like is the accessibility factor. I mean, sure. your email is just right on your site. Um, if if I hit reply to your email list, it would go to your inbox. I think people like feeling like they, their thought leaders or people that they're admiring or following are accessible to them. And I think a personalized message through email is really making that you know, that difference versus a generic thing that you feel like, you know, the person sending it didn't really write it. Yeah. And, and that's always um, like when you read emails that are done by really great copywriters, I always get this sense that like it, there's that fakeness to it. And yeah. I, I don't like that. It's like no human would ever talk like this. Like, what are you selling me? I just yeah. really don't like that. People get suspicious if it's too polished. Yeah. People are like, okay, well, is this for a campaign? What do you, yeah. Right. What are you going to do with my credit card? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So your second book was about growth hacking. And I think, you know, the idea of building a genuine list like we're talking about kind of feeds into that. Are there any other strategies you could recommend that, you know, people might not see direct income from, but it could increase you know, sales or visibility in, in an indirect way? Yeah, so there's this great quote I like from from Jason, the founder of, um, of Basecamp, where he's saying like, you know, for your product to speak for itself, it has to have somebody 
to talk to, right? And so, so like, I, I feel like you should be building that platform or building that audience. So when you have something that you're launching, you know, it's not like just going out into nothing. And so I think obviously an email list is big. I think social media is important. Like you want to have, you know, a decent Twitter following or Instagram or whatever the social networks. I'm a, I'm a little suspicious of the social networks, if only because you don't like own that connection, you know, like yeah. people built, spent all this time building these huge Facebook followings and then Facebook, you know, clamps down on organic reach. And now you can't reach those fans that you paid all that money to get. So I think, I, you know, I, I think social is important. You can't be dependent on it. Um, I think uh, writing, like having an audience who's also interested in your writing. So whether that's a blog or you contribute to a site, that's also important because you can count on that. So it's like, you know, if you were to, you know, have an idea that you wanted to get out in the world, you're like, okay, you know, I publish every week on Medium and I have 5,000 followers there. I know like 5,000 people are going to at least possibly look at this thing and and you want to you want to cultivate those opportunities in those channels so you can it's like not because you need it every week or every day or whatever but someday you're really going to need it and like like because I, I deal with a lot of authors and it's always like hey I have a book coming out next week what can you do for me and it's like that's way too late you know you want to you want to have built up that karma and that capital like far before you need it is that why you know a lot of your writing is about things that you're interested in like self-improvement or things that you're going through is that why you kind of have done that shift instead of you know here's what I'm working on now or you know five marketing tactics that make a difference I mean is that a chosen angle that you've used to kind of build up your following over time yeah, I don't so much think about angles, but I think like, okay, you know, it's it's a very crowded space in terms of like marketing and the, the, the sort of very tactical stuff. And that stuff tends to have an expiration date, right? It's like mm -hmm. if I wrote a piece about the 10 best tips for, you know, capitalizing on Google Plus two years ago, like that piece is dead in the water now, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I try to focus on the bigger stuff um, that I think is more... Um, like Jeff Bezos has that quote, he's like, focus on the things that don't change, right? And so when I'm writing about things, like I try to focus on those. And then um, it, it's also, yeah, like what gets you up in the morning that makes you excited to write that you can't, like, I always say like the thing you should write about is the thing you can't not write about. Mm -hmm. And I think most people could probably do without writing about, you know, a lot of these marketing topics, they just feel like they have to. You know, they feel like they, yeah. they should. And that's not a that doesn't produce great content, in my opinion. And except for the few people that like live and breathe that stuff. And that's what they should be writing about. Yeah, I found too, whenever I'm writing, you know, the things that are personal to me, the words seem so much easier to write. And I always get more thoughtful engagement because I have sure. a blog that's kind of about my life or productivity. And then I also have a blog on my marketing, you know, agency site that I do on the side. And so I always get more comments though on the personal one, because I think, I think people can definitely tell, and this probably goes back to the, you know, whenever you're writing your emails for your recommended reading list, you know, people can tell when you're, when you care about something, when you're passionate about something, etc. versus just 
like you said, writing to write it because you feel like you should. Yeah. And it, I think you also want to do some analysis on like, where do your clients or your leads come from? So like I, if I wrote an article about marketing tips, that's not in, in my experience, that's not what gets the clients that my marketing business, you know, likes having. It either gets like people who are very much beginners or don't have like the budgets that, you know, we need mm. them to have. Um, or, or it's just like people, I, or it just doesn't work. Like that's just not how clients tend to find people they work with. Like, I get my clients from the work that I do, like for other clients. So I see, I don't see like my writing online, it, with the exception of my books, the writing I do online is not so much client-based, it's not client acquisition. I'm writing about it because um, it, it helps me as an author, right? Mm -hmm. Versus helping me as a, as a, as a marketer. And so I, you, you, wanna, you wanna actually do some analysis of like, don't just take for granted that because so-and-so is doing this, um, you should do it and you will get the same results as them. Like other people might see that I'm writing self-improvement stuff and go like, well, that's what I should be writing about, but that might not be the case. Yeah, exactly. It should be what's important to you, not what someone who's well-known in the field is doing. Yeah, and not just like what's important to you personally, but what is the like objectively in terms of like generating results, what's the most effective for you personally? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Do you think, um, you know, sometimes I've heard people say that if you're trying to be a consultant or build your business, you should be as niche as possible. Do you think that, you know, when it comes to writing, you should try to try to segment a niche and kind of latch on to that? Or is it more important to write about what you think is working for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you want to have areas of domain expertise. Like nobody likes to hire the person who's like, okay, at everything. They want someone who's like an expert at something. Um, and I, I like, it's very, it's been very um, lucrative for me to have had a, a handful of like really marquee events or stunts or projects that I've worked on. And that's, what people know about me and that's what I'm able to sort of like, Hey, what have you done? And I can be like, you know, one, two and three. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important. Um, you know, you know, do you want to be, do you want to go so obscure that, um, you know, people only think you can do this one thing. It, I guess that depends on, on what kind of business you're trying to build. But I, I do think, um, developing lanes of expertise, not only you know helps audiences identify you, but it it helps it like for instance like one of my one of my books is about Stoic philosophy, which I you know I'm really interested in and I've written about a lot. If I were to write an article about Stoic philosophy right now, it would be easy because I've already done a lot of the research. Like I know this topic inside and out. I can write about if a news event happened tomorrow. I could you know quickly adapt and come up with something. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, you want to have those, if, if you're writing about everything, it means you're starting from scratch each time. Having some expertise allows you to link to prior things that you've written, you know, use examples you've used before, call on people you've called on before. So I think that that is also important. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've never thought of it that way. Um, so to kind of wrap it up, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, which is what we've talked about this whole time, is, you know, you do so much writing and obviously you do a lot of reading to write a monthly recommended reading list. And right. so 
one of my goals is to do more of both of those things this year. So how do you, you know, manage to kind of keep up with reading and writing and what's your daily schedule like to accommodate all of that? Sure. So one of my little secrets is obviously I, I made the reading list email so that reading books could never be not part of like my job, right? Like yeah. since I do the email and it makes a little bit of money, it pays for the, like, I never feel bad about buying a book. I never feel bad about spending time reading because like it's something I do. I don't think like I love to read, but I have to write this blog post, right? Yeah. So I, I treating reading um, and writing as part of your job rather than like an extra thing that you do when you get home from work to me was a big mind shift. And I think it's really, really important. Um, and then, you know, I, I think also um, Tyler Cowen, uh, who writes for Marginal Revolution, is really awesome. He talks about reading like the secret to speed reading is not like some course that you take that helps you read fast. It's if you if you get some expertise about a specific topic, you become faster at reading books about that topic because you have knowledge in that area. So I think a, a lot of times people are reading all these totally unrelated books. I like to sort of swarm around a specific topic. So like, let's say I wanted to read about the Civil War. I don't just read one book and then I go and now I'm going to read about uh, the Cold War, right? Mm -hmm. Because those are very different. It's like, I want to read five books over the course of this year around this topic and I'll start to get familiar with it. I'll start to be able to agree or disagree with the author. I'll recognize the names. I'll know the places. I'll be able to anticipate what's coming next. And so really zooming in rather than being spread thin, I think can, can help you speed up. And, you know, you start to get really passionate about the topic that you're reading about. So those are two secrets that I like to use. Yeah, I've never even thought about that. I've always been such a random reader. I'll come across something or... Amazon will recommend something or I'll find a recommendation. I'll just randomly read it. So that makes a lot of sense to focus on one topic, you know, for a couple months or, you know, five or six books worth to kind of get through yeah, everything. It's like, you know, making time to go to the gym, that's hard. Um, but if you're just going and then you're like, oh, I'm going to do this machine and then I'm going to do that machine, you're never going to get like the six pack that you want, right? You have yeah. to you have to create a routine or a, you know, a, a set of exercises that isolate that specific muscle that you're trying to focus on. And, and I think that's a more effective way than just sort of, you know, spraying and praying or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, a lot of good tips. I really appreciate um, you coming on as always. And I enjoy reading all your, you know, blog posts and your email list. So thanks a lot for being part of our podcast. Yeah, no, thanks for subscribing. The The only downside about the list getting so big is I, I used to know all the people that subscribed and I, I would have had no idea that you were on it until you emailed me. So this is very cool. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. It's it's kind of a, a curse and a, I don't know, a treasure. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. So anyway, um, for all of you guys listening, if you want to learn more about Ryan, again, his website is ryanholiday.net. And be sure to check out his books on Amazon as well. Um, Ryan, again, thank you. And this is Kelsey Jones with Search Engine Journal. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.